You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Time once again for Second Helping, the podcast of choice for fans and followers of the number one league. In all of collegiate athletics, the Southeastern Conference. Travis Schreier, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the 247sports.com network, joined as always by my great friend, co-host of the pod, Mr. Brent Beard, college football analyst for First Coast News down in Jacksonville, Florida, and also a longtime voter in the race for the most prestigious honor in collegiate athletics, the Heisman Trophy. A quick reminder, the program brought to you by DraftKings is we're a part of the Pigskin Podcast Network and certainly need to check out DraftKings.com right now. All kinds of great fantasy football options for you there. If you're into the fantasy football, DraftKings can certainly hook you up and take great care of you. DraftKings.com. We're going to tell you a little more about some of the uh, some of the deals they got going on right now at DraftKings, but first I want to welcome in Brent. Brent, uh, n- not a lot of games coming up this weekend in the SEC, but that doesn't mean there isn't still plenty to talk about. Yeah, well, and uh, plenty of importance to go along. Uh, abbreviated schedule, uh, but that's okay. Still bowl packing order, possible uh, continuing a national championship uh, contention. Uh, so, yes, a, a big week for the uh, SEC as we get closer to uh, – uh, Halloween, uh, it's amazing we're running out of games in October, too, but we're going to enjoy it while it's here, like we're enjoying this wonderfully cool weather right now, Trav. Oh, it feels like October 20th out there right now. <laughs> feels like feels like it's what October 20th is supposed to feel Absolutely. like right now. I think in Absolutely. parts of the South, we're going to have a warm-up maybe once again next week, but hopefully after that, as we get even closer to the end of the month, uh, we'll have more of that football type of weather we've been able to enjoy here in the last few days. And certainly coming off a weekend, Brent, where we won't go game by game in terms of reviewing last weekend because we're going to preview and review the upcoming schedule uh, for SEC action. But you talk about a game that exceeded the hype. If that was possible, Alabama-Tennessee did it last Saturday up at Neyland Stadium. Well, uh, I mean, 11 million people that viewed the game and uh, the the number that everybody's reaching for now around uh, Trav is like 4 million uh, per game. Well, they basically triple that. So, uh, yes, just really just amazing what this did uh, to propel Tennessee into the upper echelon uh, not only of the SEC, but also the national picture certainly raised questions for uh, Alabama. Uh, but yet, as we know, but basically every year, uh, Alabama continues to play well. Everything's still in front of them. So uh, the, 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 the collateral damage changes or whatever from, the, from this game uh, will go on for weeks, won't it, Trav? It will, and we'll find out about Alabama. We'll talk about it coming up in just a little bit when it hosts Mississippi State on Saturday night. Mississippi State has been 
the equivalent of a a bounce back situation for Alabama yes. throughout the years because of the association with LSU for many years and where Mississippi State sat on the schedule and some of those losses to LSU that Alabama's had under Nick Saban. Uh, even last year, after the Texas A&M loss in College Station, it was to Starkville for Alabama. And they bounced back very nicely in this situation. 49-9 to winners over State a year ago, and every team's different. We get yep. that. And a game on Saturday that, you know, there were so many plays. This is typically the case. If you have a 52-49 yes. game, <laughs> you know, I think it's fair to say both teams can look at it and say, even if you win that game, you can what if it sure. in terms of – did we really need to sweat this bad? You know, when you look at it from the Tennessee perspective and you're up 28 to 10 in the second quarter and, you know, you're looking at a couple of situations there late in the game where Alabama had opportunities to seal the deal and whether it was because of the controversial pass interference call on Malachi Moore that erased the interception by Kool-Aid McKinstry or a typically reliable kicker and Will Riker mm-hmm. missing wide right from 50 yards out. Um, and then we see Tennessee's game winner go through after it appears Byron Young got a hand on the football for Alabama. So it was a game that really had everything. Unfortunately, it had too much officiating, I think, associated Uh, with it. Yes. That's the biggest blemish. And then the post-game situation wasn't good either. And that's not to say I I don't get fans wanting to be on the field, Um, but when it happens to the extent that it did, uh, unfortunately – uh, when you're dealing with young people, especially yeah. the the likelihood for an incident goes up a hundredfold, I, I would venture to guess. And that's not to excuse uh, what we've seen on video anyway from Jermaine Burton, the Alabama wide receiver. But, you know, if you don't think those situations don't um, increase the potential for them, increase exponentially. When you have a hundred thousand people in a stadium and pretty much everybody's trying to get on the field, well. You haven't been paying attention much. And, you know, this is a situation I don't know what the SEC can really do about it. Right. I don't know if Alabama has to address it because really the common denominator in all this, Brent, is Alabama, right? At yeah, this no point, doubt. Anyway, maybe we'll see it with Georgia eventually. But right now it's an Alabama deal. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the uh, uh, end of dovetail was some of the stuff that you talked about. Obviously, the 17 penalties or the penalties on the road and double digits have got to be dealt with. Um, I, I still think, and I've said this on many segments this week, the officiating for the game was absolutely abysmal for both teams. And, and, and frankly, I've also said that I won't be surprised if that officiating crew uh, is suspended a game or two. Now, we may not know that for a few years, but, Trav, I still think that may be a possibility. And I think the replay official has to be involved in that too, because no doubt. the the targeting that was reviewed and deemed non-targeting was as bad of replay review as you will ever see. I mean, yeah. and, and here's the problem too, from a rule perspective and where it's not on the officials or the replay official or Birmingham or wherever they go now, um, you know, you can create a foul for targeting from the booth, Mm -hmm. but you can't create a personal foul. So even if that wasn't targeting and it was on Bryce young, even if you deemed that wasn't it, it was, it was a personal foul. It was roughing the passer. Yeah. So, but you don't have, if if you, if it's not called a personal foul with targeting on the field, 
you don't get either if no. the replay official deems that it's um, you know non-targeting. So look, you know it's one of those things. Uh, it's another way in which, and I've said this so many times, we look after the quarterbacks at the professional level that are paid to do this. And mm-hmm. I understand with NIL, you can make that argument now that Bryce Young is paid to play college football, but we don't protect college quarterbacks in any form or fashion, not just Bryce Young. Uh, quarterbacks around the game every week, if you watch enough college football, you'll see quarterbacks taking hits oh, um, yes. in live action and after getting rid of the football that would be finable offenses in the National Football League. I'm talking about hits that on Tuesday when you got to your locker at an NFL locker room, you'd have a fine letter from Roger Goodell or the <laughs> yeah. the rules committee um, the, in your in your locker there. So uh, there's a lot to clean up with officiating in the Southeastern Conference. I don't understand if that's not your very best crew. Right. How are they in Knoxville? How is your really? If that's not your highest graded crew. How is that the crew doing that game in that spot? I, I don't. That's I don't get that either. But Tennessee, a lot of credit to the Vols, man. Perseverance, got out to the hot start, rode the crowd. Hendon Hooker was tremendous. Jalen Hyatt was otherworldly. Six catches, five of them for touchdowns. And now the Vols, I think it's a good spot for them to get Tennessee Martin after all oh, the yeah. emotion and everything Absolutely. of last Saturday night, Brent. Uh, the Vols, th- this is. Not a bye week, but it's an opportunity to kind of stride and stretch, stretch and stride a little bit and take care of business against an FCS opponent in UT Martin, whose head coach is the father of Alabama's backup quarterback, Ty Simpson. How about that for some Alabama, Tennessee? Yeah, yeah, that's a great analogy. And well, what this is for Tennessee is just an extended celebration is what it amounts to. And I, and hopefully they'll, they'll be able to force some goalposts by the time they play the game uh, on Saturday. Now look, Tennessee will have their way here, but this UT Martin team for uh, what division they're in, frankly, is mm-hmm. not a bad team. I mean, they've got a pretty decent uh, pass rush. Uh, they're averaging 44 points a game. So, and for what they do, uh, they're certainly not bad. But, but it, it, listen, timing in life is everything. And what uh, Josh Heupel has been able to do with Tennessee is uh, in the era travel of seven-on-seven seven football, where you've got an elite quarterback and you've got close to elite wide receivers, uh, that Tennessee – uh, has been able to ride that right now to the heights that they have not seen uh, in in decades. Uh, Babu McCoy was was uh, didn't have that much, but Jalen Hyatt more than made up for it. Tennessee also ran the ball well uh, in in the game too. And I think I think what to me what makes Hooker as good as he is, Trav is. It, it, is along with what he can do on uh, as far as uh, accounting for touchdowns, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes, does he, Trav? I, I mean, he is he is very efficient in what he does. He's only thrown like three interceptions as a starter, and two of them have come against Alabama. Correct. He threw one in Tuscaloosa a year ago, and then he had one last Saturday to DeMarco Helms. He had the other one erased by the pass interference call on Moore 
that would have been uh, one for Kool-Aid right. McKinstry. So if he's made some mistakes, it's actually been against Alabama. As great as he's been uh, and as great as he was last Saturday, you know, that's that's been when he's uh, turned the ball over a little bit. But, you know, it's interesting because I don't know if Josh Heupel knew that Hendon Hooker was elite because it was Joe Milton yeah. who was the starter. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Last sure season was. to open the season, and then mm-hmm. Hooker got his opportunity, and right. uh, he's been absolutely lights out. And I agree. I think uh, this matchup with UT Martin, uh, you said it, a, a really solid OVC team, Ohio Valley Conference team, the Skyhawks, uh, the FCS level. But this should be more of a parade vibe, y- yes, uh, yes. than <laughs> than than that of a football game. Although there are storylines for Tennessee. Cedric Tillman, where's he at? Because we didn't yes. see him again against Alabama coming off that ankle injury. Jalen McCullough in the secondary did not play against Alabama. So you can talk about some situations Alabama dealt with. Tennessee's still dealing with some things from a health and availability perspective, too. Well, and, and the think about this. The importance of that would be uh, uh, that are knocking on the door the next two weeks or, or Kentucky and Georgia. So uh, the the most difficult part of their schedule is coming up. So we will know certainly what uh, Tennessee uh, uh, has left in the season and how and and can they continue to mature as it goes along. And Trav, I think you can say the same thing about Alabama, right? In this in this Mississippi State game, uh, what can Alabama do about these pre-snap penalties? Uh, uh, what what is going to be happening with uh, b- putting pressure uh, on Will Rogers? And look, as Travis and I have talked about the whole year, this is a very good offensive system for Mike Leach. And how will Alabama uh, be able to deal with this in terms of personnel, in terms of scheme? What might they do uh, a little bit differently? Uh, along that line, too, uh, will we see some, as, as Travis has been writing about these different things, of uh, Tyler Harrell, the Louisville transfer, where he get on the field uh, uh, in this game, too. So, uh, listen, the, uh, uh, the, the, the questions are almost endless right now, aren't they, Trav, for Tuscaloosa on Saturday night? Yeah, and really, really tragic week for Mississippi State, oh, too, with the passing of a young player in Sam Westmoreland here in the last day or so. So we certainly want to acknowledge that and send our condolences to his family and friends and that Mississippi state program and in university. But yeah, I think for Alabama, it's, it's different though. I, you know, I know a lot of comparisons are being made between Mike Leach's offense and, and also uh, Josh Heupel's seen as how Heupel played for Leach. I get all that, but these offenses, Yes, they like to spread the field. That's about where the similarities yeah, end, though. It is. Mississippi State doesn't give you the tempo, no, doesn't give you the warp speed approach. Um, Mississippi State, look at yards per attempt in passing yes. between Will Rogers and Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker last week against Alabama averaged 12 and a half yards per attempt. You know, Will Rogers most weeks isn't much if over seven yards per attempt. Right, it's a very right. short, controlled passing game. It's called the air raid more because they throw the ball a lot. But I think for Alabama, it's you go back to the try and tried and true recipe, and you even saw this from Kentucky last Saturday night, and it's went over Mississippi State. Try to get to Will Rogers with mm-hmm. four, and you don't necessarily have to sack him, 
because Will is limited. He he's not Hendon Hooker either no. in terms of escapability and and hurting you with his legs. So there's another big difference. Um, so you just try to affect him with different looks and a lot of zone this week. And it's gone a long way in Alabama in the first two meetings with Mike Leach at Mississippi state, holding the Bulldogs to just three field goals in those two games while dominating. So for Alabama, it's a psyche type of game. I think it's a great matchup for Alabama. It has been the last couple of years, but you're right. You got to see, we wondered which Alabama team would show up for a game against Tennessee. Yeah. That everybody was anticipating. Mm Mm-hmm. And what are we supposed to think of this team Go, coming into a game against Mississippi State after a loss to Tennessee? So, you know, I think that I think in some ways this team has fooled Nick Saban um, because there there was so many positive comments dating back to the offseason yes. into the preseason about the wiring of this team mm-hmm. and the makeup. It's a I think he really likes this team. But does it is it just because they're they're nice guys? Because we've also heard him invoke, um, you know, hateful competitors that he yeah, needs to see more absolutely. of. So he's telling me that he really likes his team. It's mm-hmm. a nice team, mm-hmm. but is it a is it a team that's got enough edge to it? You still got to have that, you know. Yes. Whatever we want to sort of try to build in our head, what college football players should be. The bottom line is the ones that win championships, they've got some edge. At Alabama, yes. they've had the Rolando McLeans. Okay. They've had the Christian Barmores, um, and sometimes they, it, it's guys who don't say a whole lot. They just do it with their play mm-hmm. on the field. We've heard a lot of these Alabama players say the right things for months now, but for whatever reason, it doesn't seem to translate in the way of consistency at performing at a level that we've grown accustomed to seeing from Nick Saban teams. Well, and I thought one of the most unusual things that I've ever heard him say was the comment about, uh, he said the players were tense. Uh, he talked about when they came out of the locker room, they're usually chanting, uh, and there was no chanting this time. And he, I, he, he basically said he turned around and asked him what's going on. So, uh, I, I, he, everything he says is calculated and everything he does he does for a reason, uh, and I know you've dealt with this, Trav, in your writings, but I, but I thought that along with what you just said, that that was one of the more interesting things he said in a long time. It is, but he said it in different ways for a while now, just like the hateful competitors thing. Yes. You know, that's on that same wavelength. That's mm-hmm. what he's still trying to get from this team and it's not happening for whatever reason. And it's, it's interesting to say the least because you look on defense and you see a guy like Will Anderson and you see veterans like Jordan battle and DeMarco Helms and Henry Toa Toa and every level you think, man, they've got it covered. And then they get lit up like they did by a elite Tennessee offense, not to take anything away from Tennessee. That wasn't, um, that wasn't Vanderbilt to be sure. But, uh, (laughs) Yeah, we'll we'll find out. I think a lot about Alabama uh, on Saturday night. Typically, is in, you know it's something they haven't done since Saban's first year is lose back to back games, right? Uh, right. In the regular right. season, in the regular season, you know they've lost games to Auburn and then gone on and lost, say, a Sugar Bowl game or lost to Florida in the SEC championship game in '08, and then lost to Utah in the Sugar Bowl. So there's been those, but as far as regular season 
back-to-back losses. We haven't seen that since November of 2007 for Alabama. DraftKings changed the fantasy football game forever in 2012. Now, 10 years later, they're doing it again with Rainmakers Football, their first ever NFT fantasy game. That's right, there's a new way to enjoy daily fantasy football and a new shot to win millions in prizes. All of it from the only NFT fantasy game licensed by the NFLPA. Playing Rainmakers Football is simple. Buy, sell, bid, and win player cards of the biggest names in the game through regular drops and auctions. Build your collection of football stars and enter free Rainmaker football contests all season long to compete for millions in jaw-dropping prizes. Each week, you'll craft your lineups of athletes from your NFT collection and rack up points for touchdowns, receptions, and more, just like you would in daily fantasy football. The next generation of fantasy sports is almost here. Download the DraftKings Daily Fantasy app now and sign up with promo code TP. PN. Click the Rainmakers tile and opt in so you can be ready for the next drop. Play free for millions in prizes all football season long and build the ultimate NFT fantasy franchise with Rainmakers football. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. So still a lot, as Brent said, on the table for the Crimson Tide. And I think they'll be fine. I think they're a 21 and a half point favorite. I like them to cover that. I just, you know, it's hard for me, especially after Mississippi State's performance a week ago. And that, you know what? Mississippi State's got a couple guys. Dylan Johnson, I think, is is beat up at least. He sustained a lower extremity injury against Kentucky uh, last Saturday night. So it fell mostly on Woody Marks, who's a very good back in his own right. But Brent. They need both those guys, don't they? They do. Uh, there's no doubt. And Dylan Johnson was only two for 16. Yeah. So that so, was so injured that in the first you. quarter. Yeah. Uh, and and to Travis's point here, the the reason that State had been doing even better uh, up until the Kentucky game is because they actually had a running attack. Yeah. Uh, uh, Leach had allowed that to be going on. So I, I think with uh, not only are you dealing with uh, the, the what, Trav, five to ten yard uh, spear that they pretty well play in offensively, you've also been able to, got, have to stop that running attack too. So, yes, it, it's a pivotal game because – that uh, they they get a very much needed week off, uh, and then Alabama's got I think the two games after that 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 will determine their season with the road games and an improving LSU and uh, Ole Miss. No doubt, and you said it, Mississippi State they really need it from the backs because uh, with Johnson out last week for a good bit of that game at Kentucky, uh, Will Rogers became very very average um, back to sort of that five and a half yards per attempt range. And in two games against Alabama, Will Rogers, five interceptions, the wow. last two seasons, wow. two of those return for touchdowns, one in each of the last two games. So uh, it's been a rough road for Will Rogers against the Crimson side the last couple of seasons. Let's look elsewhere around the league. We talked about it uh, a little bit before we even went on the podcast today. Well, that Ole Miss LSU game on Saturday afternoon, I mm-hmm. like that game. 3.30 CBS uh, from Death Valley in Baton Rouge. LSU rejuvenated now yeah. coming off that road win at Florida last Saturday night. 
Ole Miss got a little bit more of a push than maybe some people were expecting from the Auburn Tigers, Brent. Yeah. uh, Matter of fact, Jaden Daniels played well. Now, I I do a podcast with Shane Matthews, uh, former Gator quarterback, who is the uh, analyst for uh, Florida Football Radio, and ask him about Jaden Daniels. He said, look, I was very impressed with Daniels. I didn't know what to expect from the guy, but but he is a true dual threat that's kind of coming into his own. Now, Shane also admitted, Trev, and I'm sure Pumps can tell us the same thing, that the Gator defense can be absolutely abysmal at times, right? So the, the, the so definitely uh, it, it, this is the this is one of the most unflorida like yeah, defenses. It, no doubt. You'll see. I mean, I know the perception is when you think Florida football, you think fun and gun, you think right. offense. But I'm just telling you, going back to my childhood, at least mm-hmm. with guys like Wilbur Marshall on that yeah. side of the ball and, um, you know, those type of players, it, it's been defense more than it's been even offense in Gainesville. And it is a tough look, but I agree on Jaden Daniels uh, watching that game back uh, from Saturday night. He was, he was dynamic. There's no other way to put it. Now he survived a mistake late Mm -hmm. when Florida got called. Yes. There was a roughing the passer call in the sec Saturday. It just was in Gainesville. (laughs) Yeah. And Daniels throws the pick, but uh, there's a roughing the passer call on Florida there with about six minutes to go. And Florida had made that a touchdown game and, and had some real momentum there. LSU was able to tack on a, another field goal to go back up two scores, and that was pretty much it. But, um, no, I, I think you know LSU obviously would love to run the football against that Florida defense. Who wouldn't? Um, I, excuse me, LSU would love to run the football against that Ole Miss defense. But Ole Miss, boy, you want to talk about running the football, Brent. Uh, this is this is a pretty amazing team right now, especially what three one hundred yard yes. rushers against yeah, Auburn yeah. last Saturday. Yeah, Jackson Dart, Quinshawn uh, Quin Junkins, and Zach Evans, all one hundred yards each. Uh, so it, uh, really very impressive for them. Uh, now here's the thing, a little bit, and and uh, the for Ole Miss, there's a lot of uh, positive publicity for the Rebels. They deserve it. But uh, but I also had a chance to talk to uh, uh, one of their beat writers this week and, and just ask him, how do you look at Ole Miss the rest of the year? He thinks Bama's just better, and he said there's another loss coming. It could either be LSU or it could be Mississippi State. And and, and frankly, Travis, the thing with the, the – uh, look, I, I like Lane. I like what Lane's done with this team this year and, and being able to run the ball – uh, but the other reality for this is in strength of schedule, Ole Miss is 109, 109 yeah. Trav in the nation, which, which tells you a lot about who they played or maybe better not played yet. Yeah, we talk about you don't know how you look till you get your picture took. Well, it's yep. picture taking time. <laughs> it is. Ole Miss, they have their uh, sitting reserved for their mm-hmm. picture because yes. you're right, man. You look at the schedule, everything is still in front of this team, starting with LSU. What, Arkansas is still out there? Uh, Texas A&M, uh, Alabama, obviously, Mississippi mm-hmm. State. So just even from a divisional perspective, um, this team has a lot to to work through here. And um, you know what I like about Ole Miss, though? 
in this matchup specifically, I like the balance in the run game. Yes. They can get it from three or four guys. When I look at LSU right now, <laughs> I see Jaden Daniels not only, of course, is the LSU's uh, mm-hmm. Tigers leading passer. He's their leading rusher he as well. So that's a problem. I, I thought it was it was promising to see Keish, uh, uh, to see Booty, yes. uh, Keishon Booty step his game up. It looked mm-hmm. like against Florida uh, Saturday night, and and they're going to need more of that, but. I think they got to manufacture more from their run game other than Daniels this week. And then, of course, trying to deal with everything Ole Miss is going to throw at you from a run game perspective. Uh, and John Emery had showed some promise. Mm-hmm. Uh, once he got back into the game, uh, Booty, 12 catches for 88 yards before the Florida game, and then six catches for 115. So, uh, uh, Trev, I think for Booty is, Booty's thinking, uh, you know, I may better have a little bit of film toward the end of the year for this NFL possibility. So I think that's kind of what's igniting a little bit of fire under him. But at the same time, I think we're going to see this. Uh, with Brian Kelly, I, I I think Brian Kelly's pretty solid football coach, and yeah. Kelly Kelly said this week we think we're catching our second wind uh, at this point uh, with hopes that that Florida State opening game loss will be way in the rearview mirror for them by the time they get to November. Yeah, and this game is going to go so far in setting the table for November. Um, it is when you get to Alabama LSU on that first Saturday in November, and then Alabama goes to Oxford. And uh, this is the weekend where it pretty much starts to play off Mm -hmm. in the sec West. Right. And you could say you've got uh, a a semifinal game in Ole Miss LSU and um, a semifinal game in in Mississippi state, Alabama as well this weekend in the sec West. Also on Saturday afternoon, four o'clock Eastern on SEC Network. One of these teams has to win a conference game this <laughs> Absolutely. year. Vanderbilt and Mizzou getting together in Columbia in Como, Missouri. A hard luck loser more than once, twice, really three times. When you look at Missouri's zero and three record yeah. in the SEC, boy, uh, doesn't get tougher than those three. Uh, Vanderbilt uh, hoping to. Turn the corner at least a little bit under Clark Lee in year two. Uh, the Commodores and Tigers, I think I like the Tigers in this one. A little more balanced across the board, I would say. Um, but I do like what I'm seeing, again, from guys like mm-hmm. A.J. Swan and Ray Davis, Will Shepard at the wide receiver position. Just don't know if they got enough to go along with that. Yeah, and Missouri's got Nathaniel Pete at running backs. It's not bad. Dominic Lovett at wide receiver. Uh, he has played uh, well, too. Brady Cook at quarterback, I think, has been pretty solid at times for them. I think this is a – I'm not going to say it's a must-win for Eli Drinkwith, but they need to get – But it is a must-win for Eli uh, Drinkwith. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but, I mean, two and four – uh, that's not get that's not helping him at this point, but uh, but also uh, with something you said, Travis Vandy wins this game. They're four and four. Uh, uh, Trav, yeah. how many times has Vandy been five hundred uh, five hundred around November? Uh, AJ Swan having his moments 
uh, I think along too, and people people will ignore this game. But the truth of the matter is, is that this game for both these teams is very important. Yeah, there's just still going to be weeks where Vanderbilt is overwhelmed from yes. a roster perspective. Last week was certainly another one of those, similar to Alabama a few weeks before uh, Vandy going to Georgia. You you could kind of anticipate what uh, transpired there in Athens, but. Yeah, I guess South Carolina factors into this at some point, oh too, right? Vanderbilt, Absolutely. Missouri, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you start hunting up potential wins uh, in that division especially, uh, that's what it's going to come down to for these teams. And again, Missouri, I think that fan base can look at that 0-3 right now and say, okay, a couple of those are road losses at places like Auburn and Florida, even if those teams aren't what they they typically are or can be. Um, and then the home loss to Georgia, but I, I think you got to have this one if you're Eli Drinkwith. I, I don't think there's really any way around that. Also on Saturday, this one in prime time, opposite Mississippi State, Alabama, 7:30 p.m. Eastern on SEC Network. Texas A&M travels to the aforementioned Gamecocks of South Carolina. This um, this one has the feel to me of a Shane B. Gamer special, you know, where I, <laughs> yeah, I go absolutely. into it and, and that's crazy, right? You think about the two coaches in this game. I trust Shane Beamer more in this spot than I trust Jimbo Fisher. That says a lot. It really does. Uh, and again, uh, what I like about South Carolina, look, we know that Spencer Rattler is going to be erratic. Uh, Travis, he, uh, he looked like Bryce Young on one play and then the next play he's terrible. But I think what's helped them is the emergence of Marshawn Lloyd uh, in running back. They needed somebody uh, to give them uh, another weapon, and that has certainly happened. Uh, So, and listen, uh, Trev, this A&M team is right on the edge of the cliff, I think, right now at three and three. Now, Devin A. Chain, we certainly know what he can do. But boy, oh boy, uh, I I know Jimbo has said – uh, that Haynes King should be ready to go, but every AM writer, every AM fan, Trev, all they can talk about right now is is it Connor Wiegman time? And this is something you and I have talked about uh, at, at this point where AM is among the worst in the, in the worst in the nation under Jimbo with that group. Great offensive reputation, uh, very much struggling. And in, in, uh, if if King doesn't get it done, Trev, uh, uh, does he put Weakman in in a situation like this? Yeah, you know, without the benefit of being able to see practices, obviously, and things like that, if it's even close for me, it's Weakman time, especially coming off the bye week. Mm-hmm. Um, look, Haynes King was was solid against Alabama, but even if he is complete on the final pass of that game in Tuscaloosa, that was more about Alabama uh, deficiency in all due respect to Haynes King. Mm -hmm. And he made some plays. Don't get me wrong. And and Evan Stewart, his receivers made some plays, but it wasn't the kind of performance, I guess is what I'm saying that rang with me as, well, he's turned the corner. Here he comes. <laughs> right, you know, this right. is the guy. I don't think there's any doubt about it. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if the A&M Aggies made good use of that bye week and 
South Carolina, we talk about rejuvenated teams like LSU playing at home this week. Uh, that should definitely be South Carolina, which here they are, four and two with Shane Beamer get a win this week and uh, very much in a good place as far as his bowl outlet goes. Uh, and also what a needs to be careful about is special teams with Beamer, uh, and you get uh, into a pretty even game with South Carolina. They block a punt or a field goal. That, that could change that game around very quickly. But, Trev, I can tell you this. If, if South Carolina wins this game, that's your, that's your five wins at that point. And they've still got, merciful yeah. heavens, that they've still got possibilities at Missouri, Vandy, uh, uh, Florida. Uh, so, look, uh, if they win five, Trev, uh, uh, it, it will almost be unheard of at the beginning of the year in some ways. They, they could even be on a six, seven, or eight win season. Yeah, and that's and we've talked about it before. If you do that in Columbia, South Carolina, you can pretty much write your own extensions. Sure can. You know, for as, as long as you want. Now, around the rest of the league, big big off week around the league. I know Florida, Georgia, anticipating their matchup in Jacksonville in a week's mm-hmm. time. Uh, both those teams are off. The Gators coming off that t- tough home loss to LSU. Georgia dominant in shutting out Vanderbilt. I'll tell you, how about Arkansas, man? Kudos to Sam Pittman's yes. team. Going out to Provo in a really tough spot, a team that had been through the ringer in previous weeks. And K.J. Jefferson does his thing. Um, you saw some good things from Hazelwood. Uh, just, uh, I thought just a really, really commendable performance in, in going out there and putting 52 on the Cougars of BYU. Uh, and what about Rocket Sanders in another yeah. tremendous game, 175 yards. Uh, and by the way, Trav, the people don't know this yet. Uh, your your SEC leading rusher is Rocket Sanders. What a year he has had. No doubt about it. Raheem Rocket Sanders. And, <laughs> you know, look, I know it's 35 points, but defensively for Arkansas right now, you take that, right? Yeah, just BYU, absolutely you do. Yes, yes, no question So similar to a year ago, Arkansas gets a bye week, mm-hmm. I think with a pretty similar record to a year ago as well. A much-needed uh, bye week for the Hogs, and then they dive into November where, as crazy as it may sound, this schedule might lighten up for them a little bit, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, you're, you're uh, uh, Auburn Liberty – uh, which is another interesting non-conference game, an important game as it always with uh, with LSU this time in Fayetteville, Ole Miss and Missouri. Yeah. Uh, and, and and look, Trav, um, uh, people would have said a few weeks ago, well, that Ole Miss game is going to be a loss. Well, the the reality is, by the time Ole Miss goes through that meat yeah. grinder in the SEC, Travis, that could be a different Ole Miss team. But by the end of November. And what we saw, speaking of teams on bye week, what we saw from Auburn in the run game, right? That was yes. more of what we've yes. been expecting to see from Bigsby Hunter. Um, even Ashford is a part of that uh, from Brian Harson's team in that loss to Ole Miss last week as it goes into the, the off week this week. What I don't understand is why they have not run that offense through Tank Bigsby before now. Uh, 20 carries, 179 yards. 
uh, two touchdowns. Uh, look, I, I get the criticism for Harson and recruiting and so forth, but one thing that they cannot say is that they have not played hard because they really have, and, and they had a good plan against uh, Ole Miss, and they were impressive. The problem is, Trav, uh, as many have pointed out, uh, uh, Harson's record in the first 20 games, 9-11, and 11, uh, which is the same as Doug Barfield uh, was a lifetime ago. Of course, Terry Bowden, Terry, was 20-0, and 0, Tuberville 12-8, and 8, and Gus was 17-3 for the first 20 games. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, what we, we know what's going to probably be happening here. I, I still contend that uh, if they gave him a little bit more time, it, it might be different, but that's not going to happen. But I salute them because they're still playing hard. Kentucky also goes into the bye with a win over Mississippi State, as we touched on earlier. Will Levis back in the lineup, but man, our guy, Christian Rodriguez, what a performance for him against that Mississippi State defense last Saturday night. And, you know, look, defensively, Kentucky gave up, what, 10 points in that game? Because, uh, or actually, uh, yeah. I'm looking at this from the Mississippi State perspective because Emmanuel Forbes, who we didn't mention oh, earlier with the pick six for the Bulldogs. Yes. Um, Kentucky's defense limiting Mississippi State to 10 offensive points. Um, seven of those Mississippi State points coming on the Emmanuel Forbes interception and return of Will Levis. Man, one of the more amazing stats just individually here before we wrap up. Emmanuel Forbes now 13 career interceptions. He's taken five of those back for touchdowns. That's an SEC record, right, Brent? Yeah, yeah. A, and, and look, we love the guy. He has been tremendous, and, and, and no doubt he's going to have to be accounted for in Tuscaloosa, uh, over, frankly, uh, ever series. Uh, and and uh, you mentioned Kentucky. One thing that has impressed me about them is they have allowed less than 400 yards of total offense in 11 consecutive games dating back to last season. So for the Cats in in, in defense, I, that, that shows you some improvement for them. Absolutely. It does. And, boy, we talk about playing off these these divisions. Uh, we're going to do it in some form or fashion in the West this week, but a week from Saturday in the East with Florida and Georgia and Jacksonville and, uh, what, Tennessee, Kentucky? Yes. So, Yes. We're going to start really paring things down over in that other division as well. So should be a lot of fun. Brent, always a lot of fun with you here on the program. Trav, always enjoy it. Uh, uh, when we will sort of get into more Florida Georgia next week, I still think it's the biggest week uh, in our area. It's always a lot of fun. Uh, Georgia will be favored. No, no question about that. But uh, it's always a pivotal point of the season for uh, both of those teams uh, as it continues. And again, uh, a, a, a weekend where a lot of teams are off this week, a lot of teams are off next week, but still there's plenty for us to talk about uh, as we uh, as we continue along. Uh, and it will be, without a doubt, another big week in the SEC. And we look forward to talking about it with you right here on Second Helping next week. Actually, we're going to have a week off, and then we'll be back the following week here on Second Helping. But always a lot of fun with Brent Beard, and we certainly appreciate you joining us here 
on the podcast. Again, part of the Pigskin Podcast Network. Thanks once again, DraftKings, for sponsoring the show. And we thank you for subscribing to the podcast and also leaving us a rating and a review if you can. If you haven't already done that, we would certainly appreciate that as well. For Brent Beard, Travis Ryer, thanks again. Until next time, so long, everybody.